That was good. Man. I, I actually, so when I, I don't know about you, but when I sing, I kind of rock back and forth. And I run anywhere between 7 and 15 miles a day, and I'm fine. But I got so into that, I think I pulled something in my knee. I really do. I think I, I blew out my knee in worship. That's amazing. So when you tell people about our church, you can say, yeah, our pastor blew out his knee in worship, and he was sober when he did it. So y'all can share that. That's okay. So that's great. Hey, if you're here today, um, I, this is something I know about you, or I'm, I'm going to assume or guess about you, even if you're watching online, that you probably, if I were to sit down with you and we were to have a conversation, you would probably have a question about um, the Bible, Jesus, Scripture, the church. I mean, you're here because I would think that you're at least somewhat interested or curious in the Bible or Jesus or Christianity or spirituality, and I'm, I'm super glad because I learn a lot by asking questions. Now, I've been doing ministry for about 30 years, and um, I was thinking about the categories of questions that I get. I'm in trying to rank them, and I get questions about this and questions about this, and I'm gonna break down for you the three top things that I've been asked about in over 30 years of, of ministry. Here we go. The first question, the first series of questions, or the first thing that people love to ask about is um, questions about sex. Everybody gets nervous. Everybody gets nervous when you talk about sex. You do understand it was God's idea. It wasn't the devil's idea. He distorted it. God put naked people in a garden with fruit and said, go for it. That's, it was God. Okay, it's a little tense. I'm doing a whole series on it. We're going through the Song of Solomon. That book is about sex. You know why I think the world has such a messed up view of sex is because the church has remained silent about it for far too long. I think we need to talk more about it. Amen? Everybody's still nervous. That's fine. That's fine. That's great. I am censoring myself, in the process of censoring myself. Number two, questions about the end times. It's amazing to me the questions that I've um, gotten. And, and when I first became a Christian, um, I really dove into study on the end times. So I, I get this, this question about the end times. And you say, Pastor Pete, what's the, what's the third question? It's very simple. It's, uh, will there be sex in the end times? That's the third question I usually get. And I... Here's my answer. I don't know, but God, I hope so. All right, so today, today and for the next four weeks, in fact, right up to Easter, we're gonna be talking about the end times and we're gonna be talking about um, Jesus coming back. Next week, we're diving into Matthew 24, some things Jesus specifically said, but let me just, let me just kind of do a really quick review. And if you've been around Second Chance for a while or you've known of my teaching for a while, you know this is something that I teach on, but I want to remind everybody of as we dive into the subject. Um, in Christianity, we have, we have closed-handed issues and we have open-handed issues. Um, it's kind of like in the United States, we have national borders and then we have state borders, right? And in, in the national borders um, of the United States, like there, there's one thing to say, I'm an American. It's another thing to say, I'm from South Carolina, because South Carolina people are different from New York people and California people. I didn't say better, I just said different. 
maybe a little better, but I just, I, that's what I'm thinking, okay? So within Christianity, it's the same thing. We've got, we've got national borders. That, these are things that we're all gonna agree on just as Christians, and we've got state borders, open hand, close hand. So close-handed issues would be um, things that, that we believe and are essential to our salvation as followers of Christ. Things like the resurrection, you, you, you're gonna, if you're gonna say you're a Christian, then the resurrection is something you're gonna have to believe in. I mean, it's a, it's a close-handed issue because if you don't believe in the resurrection, then literally Christianity, the entire thing implodes. So the resurrection, pretty important. Um, the sinless life of Jesus, we, we're gonna agree on that as Christians. If you're a Christian, we believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. Um, the authority of scripture, for me, that's in a close hand. I believe God's word. I love God's word. I, I think, I believe it from Genesis to the, I think the maps are inspired, okay? I, I love the maps in the back. So, so those are close-handed issues. Open-handed issues are things that, that, that we can talk about and discuss but aren't essential to our salvation. Like, for example, can a Christian drink alcohol? Open-handed issue. It's really quiet right now. Some of y'all should be excited. That's an open-handed issue. See, some people are like, no, you can't drink it at all. What about the wine in the Bible? And it's always funny that many times the people screaming you shouldn't drink should also stay away from Krispy Kreme. Just throwing that out there as a thought to consider. Open-handed issues, worship style, open-handed issue. Some people go like, I don't really like that style. We'll talk about that, but this is an open-handed issue. Hey, here's one that'll make everybody nervous, but stay with me as I explain it, okay? Six-day creation, open-handed issue. But some people are like, it's a closed-handed issue. No, it's not. It's not essential for your salvation. Genesis is not a science book. It's a history book. It didn't answer how it happened. It answered who did it. And I know godly people, godly people, who are brilliant, who are on both sides. I know some people think it happened in six literal days. I know some people think it was a six 24-hour time periods. I don't care. Some people are like, oh, no. No, you don't. You weren't here. You were not here. So, somebody might have been. I saw a guy in the lobby. He might have been here. But other than that, <laughs> you weren't here. But it's not essential. So the reason I say all that is because the subject, the theological term we're about to, we're about to study is called eschatology. Eschatology is the study of the end times. For me, this is in an open hand. So if you don't agree with anything I say in this series, you can still come, you can still show up, we can worship the same God. This is just what I really do believe after studying this for over 30 years. But at the end of the day, if you don't agree, you're fine, I love you. And after the service, like, because there's always one person, you're, I'm gonna come by that first timers area and fight with, I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna fight, I'm gonna sit back there, I'm gonna hug people, I'm gonna love people, I'm gonna go eat a sandwich, go home. We good? All right, so what today is, today is an overview of the, of the series, and next week, we're gonna, next week we're gonna talk, I'm gonna give you seven reasons why I believe the, the rapture is going to occur sooner rather than later based on what Jesus said, but today I need to do an introduction. So let me share with you three mistakes I believe that we, the church, make when it comes to the end times. Are you ready? Say yes. All right, there we go. Question number one, we don't talk about it. 
And, and this was me for years. I wouldn't talk about it because when you talk about the end times, it, number one, it brings out the crazies. And every, listen, every church has crazies. Every church has crazies. We're blessed. We got a few more. But, but every church has crazies. Somebody's got a chart and a graph. And, it, and I tell people, that's why Jesus hadn't came back because he's been looking at our charts and he can't figure them out. He's like, I don't know when I'm supposed to come back. Like, so we don't, we don't talk about it because it brings out the crazies and it gets people all worried and gets people freaked out. And I was thinking about it this week because I have a friend that lives in Tennessee and he sent me a tweet. Now, I don't know if you still tweet. Um, I still have Twitter. Um, Twitter was that thing that, that used to be popular. Remember that? Remember when I had a guy come one time and he said, hey man, have you seen my Twitter? Nah, man, I ain't, I ain't trying to see your Twitter. And I didn't know what it was, but he explained it to me. So, so I, I don't tweet um, because when I do, um, I have the gift of like pissing people off. So, so I don't tweet, but I still have Twitter to see what crazy people are doing. Um, so I have a friend um, and he and I, we kind of laugh at some things, but, but he sent me this tweet a week and a half ago. And um, this is literally the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you've seen this. This is a big deal. Some of y'all ready for a punchline. I'm like, this, is, this is scary. An invasive species of spider the size of a child's hand. Pause. <laughs> That's proof that Satan is real, right? <laughs> Satan got to create two things, and he created spiders and cats. That's what he got the opportunity to do. So this is expected to colonize the entire East Coast. We're on the East Coast. This spring by parachuting down from the sky. What the actual heck, all right? I'm just telling you, when I saw this, I'm like, why would you send this to me? And he said, because I wanted you to know. Because you need to know. He said, because I know you. And if you didn't know, you're just kind of out by the pool. And all of a sudden, you're like, what is that falling from the sky? And you realize what it was. You were going to say it, then you were going to do it. All right? So I just wanted to give you a warning. By, by the way, I went online and read. Re this is true. Did have y'all seen this? this is like, so I'm just telling y'all, I'm going to be outside with my shotgun, and I'm taking out as many of them as I can. We, we don't talk about the end times because for some people, it freaks them out. Now, let me just, just a really quick, really quick statistics. About 30% of the Bible is prophecy. Most of that prophecy is actually end times prophecy. End times prophecy was given for two reasons. Number one, to encourage the believer. Number one, to warn the non-believers. So the reason that we're told about the end times in Scripture, if we're believers, it's to encourage us, and if we're unbelievers, it's so that we would be warned. Now, if it freaks you out a little bit still, don't worry. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means um, you have something in common or we have something in common with a church in the New Testament in a place called Thessalonica. There was a church in Thessalonica, and Paul wrote them a couple letters. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and he wrote them in 1 Thessalonians because they were freaked out about the end times. They had people showing up and saying it had already happened. And so this is what Paul wrote them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. He said, for the Lord himself 
We'll come down. Let me pause. He's coming back. Like it's going. Like he is actually coming back. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Do you love that? Now, I was with a group of people that were debating what the commanding shout would be. I'm like, Do, does it matter? Does it matter? Because me, I, they're like, they, they got all these phrases from the Bible, and I'm like, nah, man. I think it's, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s. I think it's going to be like Tone Loke. I think we're going to hear, let's do it. I think that's, that's what it's going to be. And you don't have to agree with me, but I got the microphone, all right? Now, I'll read the Bible a little bit different. So y'all just let me have some fun with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel. So, so Jesus is going to be shouting, and then with the voice of the archangel, so he's got a hype guy too, kind of like Flavor Flav walking around going, yeah, boy. So Jesus is saying like, let's do it. And he's got an angel going, yeah, boy. And then you got a DJ in the mix, okay? I'm trying to modernize it. Because, and the trumpet call of God. So it's like, let's do it. Yeah, boy. Da, 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 da. And he's got our attention, does he not? All right. So first, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. That's going to be cool. We'll get to see that. It's like, dang. <laughs> then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. I, I like that. And then he said this. So encourage each other with these words. In other words, we're not supposed to freak people out. We're not supposed to get our kids going, hey, Jesus is watching you. That's not supposed to freak us out. That's supposed to encourage us. Now, just real quick, just real quick. Um, when Jesus comes back, the, 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 the term for that is called the rapture. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. There's, there's one Bible person here, and you're like, technically, the word rapture does not appear anywhere in the scriptures. Okay, number one, that's why you have no friends. And number two, you are right. The word rapture does not appear in the scriptures. But just because the actual word doesn't appear in the scriptures doesn't mean it's not real. For example, the word Trinity doesn't appear in the scriptures, but that's a pretty big theological term. Would we agree? Okay, good. So I just, that was like for one person, just one person. Encourage each other. So there's, there's pre-trib, means there's gonna be a pre-tribulation, people believe there's gonna be a pre-tribulation rapture, which means we'll be raptured and then the Antichrist will rule for seven years. Some people believe in a mid-trib um, rapture, where we're going like, to have to suffer for three and a half years, and then we get raptured out. Some people believe in a post-trib rapture. I'm a pre-trib guy. I believe pre-trib. I believe all the scriptures point to pre-trib. Uh, I don't believe... Open hand. Open hand. And actually, at the end of the day, I'm a pan-trib guy. I'm a pan. I believe it just all pans out in the end. We'll just all get there somehow, all right? In fact, I kind of hope that Jesus allows you to go to heaven on, based on what you believe. So if you believe in mid-trib and post-trib, y'all hang out and have some fun. I'm going to go pre and then go ahead and get the party started, all right? Here's the second mistake that we make when it comes to end times. 
We set dates. Now, I got a question. In the last service, it was really hard to get somebody to answer, but it's not, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I just have a question. Is anybody in the room engaged to be married? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Yeah, okay. What, okay, what, what, what date? What's the date? Y'all got the date set? Nope. Let's set one right now. Right, let's set a date right now. What are y'all doing after church? Would you get it done? Who's got a date set? Who's got a date set? Back here? June 4th. June's a great month. My birthday is June 24th. I will have a gift list on the internet. <laughs> Anybody else got a date? Anybody else? Back here. Whoa, whoa, back here. October 29th, two days before Halloween. Y'all should have like a Halloween thing. That'd be great. That'd be fun. See, when I'm asking this question, like people know the answer. If I were to ask you your anniversary, um, all the women, half the men, would know the answer to the question. Like when you set an engagement date, you're going to follow through, you're going to get married. Now, on the flip side, how many women have ever had a baby? This is not a hard question. There's not a woman in there going, I don't know, there was this thing. <laughs> With most of you, did that baby show up on time? The baby misses due date? I read somewhere, um, I actually dove in, that only between 5 to 10% of kids show up on their due date. Some of them are like, I ain't leaving. It's warm, I got some food, I got a trampoline, which is your bladder, but I ain't, I ain't leaving. We make mistakes, like we tell people, the baby's gonna be here on that date. And you see her two weeks later and she's mad at the world. And so, and her husband went on a business trip. He ain't coming back in town until that baby's born, right? People have been doing this for the end times for years. In fact, if you're around my age, I'm 50 years old. If you're around my age, you'll remember in 1988, this was very popular. Some of you weren't alive, so you're going to Google this, but it's true. In 1988, there was a book called 88 Reasons why the rapture will be in 1988 by our boy, Edgar Wisnett. I'm not making this up, this is true. And uh, he, obviously he missed it. I was glad this was the beginning of my senior year in high school and uh, I wouldn't have gotten to go. Uh, just gonna be straight up. Um, but he, and, and by the way, he wrote a follow-up book the next year because he said he was off, he calculated it wrong. And so he did, so he had a couple good years of book sales. And after that, he was, um, everybody just thought he was a weirdo. These dates, 1914, 1915, 1918, 1925, 1932, 1941, 1975, 1994. He said, Pastor P, what are those dates? And so did those who continued his tradition. Now, here's the one that most people in the room are going to remember, and I got some trouble for this one one time, but it's okay because I still stand by what I said. December 21st, 2012. How many remember that? I, had a, I, had a, <laughs> I have a really good friend who's a Christian who was convinced that this was the end of the world. We were talking like in 2009, 2010. We were at lunch. We were in Florida. He said, hey, man, we need to get serious about this 2012 thing. I was like, I don't know anything about the 2012 thing. He said, man, Jesus is coming back. I said, in 2012? He, he said, December 21st. I said, I don't know much about the Bible as you know, but I'm just, I remember he said that thing about nobody knows the time or the date. 
He goes, yeah, but have you heard about the Mayan calendar? And I was like, to be honest, um, just aren't the Mayans extinct? <laughs> like, I don't know any Mayans. Y'all don't either. I know one in Belton. Well, there might be a Mayan in Belton, but other than that, y'all don't know a Mayan. Did somebody just over here snort? That was unbelievable. Okay, I just, that was, uh, so, so I was like, the, the Mayans are extinct. He goes, yeah, but before they went extinct, their calendar ran out on December 21st, 2012. And I was like, well, do you ever think it ran out because the last one died? Now, I shared this illustration before and somebody afterwards came up and said, I'm offended that you made fun of the Mayans. I'm like, you're not a freaking Mayan. Shut up. Why should I care? But it, but it just shows everybody gets so offended nowadays. I'm offended for the Mayans. They don't exist. I had one person tell me the reason they don't exist is because they're in space. <laughs> Give them the number of this incredible rehab place I went to. They'll hook you up. You will get set you because you need help, all right? I don't know when Jesus is coming back. He said we, nobody would know the date. I'm about to show you that. But he did say we could know the season. He did say, I'm going to give you some signs that show you the season so you can be aware. That's why there's so much prophecy in the scripture about the end times. He, he said, you, you can't know the date or the hour, but I'll let you know the season that it's going to happen in. So with that in mind, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. Now let me pause. Many biblical scholars, including some really godly messianic Jews that I've had the opportunity to have conversations with about this, say that this is a reference to the nation of Israel, the fig tree. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When it branches when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In other words, pay attention to the nation of Israel, okay? Jesus goes on to say, um, in the same way, when you see all these things, Pastor P, what are all these things? I'm gonna give, next week, I'm gonna give you seven reasons that I believe that we are super close based on what Jesus said. That's what all these things are. When you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation, what generation? This generation. Jesus is saying the generation that saw Israel formed as a nation. I'm gonna give you more about that in just a second. That generation, a generation is between 80 and 90 years based on Psalm chapter 90 on what Moses said a generation is. Okay, so this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Then he did say, however, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. So like I said, the nation of Israel is essential because for years, people kind of scoffed at Bible prophecy about the end times because Israel didn't exist. In 70 AD, the Romans came in and they leveled Jerusalem and they scattered the Jews all over the world. And for literally nearly 2,000 years, the Jewish people didn't have a place to call home. The area that's known as Israel now was a part of what was called the Ottoman Empire. All that landmass, Iraq, 
Iran. It was all one massive land called the Ottoman Empire. But then something happened. In, 19, in the 1930s and 1940s, there was, a, there, was a, there was a guy by the name of Adolf Hitler, who if he wasn't possessed by Satan himself, was definitely possessed by a demon or demons, because you don't do what he did to people. Um, it, it, he, he murdered over six million Jews. Now, this for me, I'd always, I, I love history and I love to study history and I'd always heard that statistic, but when I was in Israel um, several years ago, I got to go to the Holocaust Museum. And that was one of the most surreal experiences I've ever had. It, 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 at, at the end of the, the tour, I remember seeing a bulldozer pushing human bones into a hole and just like getting sick to my stomach. I had to go outside and sit down. And our God came out and he said, are you okay? I was like, not really. I've, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I, I just, there were so many bones. And this guy who's a Messianic Jew, he looked at me and he said, you know, that's prophecy. I said, no, sir, I didn't. And he took me to Ezekiel 37. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. He, then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied. You alone know the answer to that, which you want to say no, but you don't tell God no. And as you read this passage of Scripture on Ezekiel 37, the bones literally come back together. And he said that's symbolic of the nation of Israel being birthed into a nation, which happened on May 14, 1948. In one day, a nation was born. Can you imagine that? We, we, our government, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, it's so messed up. We can't, listen, I was, just, I was just thankful they voted on the daylight savings bill this week, right? I mean, the, the Republicans and the Democrats agreed on something. My God, there's a reason to celebrate. But a nation being born in a day? That's, could, could we admit that was a miracle? And it happened. Isaiah told us it would. Look what Isaiah said in Isaiah 66. He said, who has ever seen anything as strange as this? Who ever heard of such a thing? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever came forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, her children will be born 2,000 years before it happened. Isaiah said, it's gonna happen. And Jesus said, the generation that sees that happen will see, will, will see me come again. I, I'm just telling you, it's close. It's really close. I can't, I just, mm. number three, number three, and this is, this is where we're gonna land the plane today. We obsess over the what and when and miss 
the who. We obsess over the what and when and miss the who. Two types of people in the room. People with kids, people without kids. If you're without kids and, and you're married, because maybe you haven't had kids yet, or maybe your kids have gotten out of the house and graduated or whatever, you, this is what you can do tonight. You can look at your spouse and say, would you like to go eat somewhere? And your spouse could say, yes. And within 15 to 30 minutes, you could be at said restaurant enjoying your meal. If you have children, it's a different story. You can look at your spouse and say, would you like to go out to eat? And your spouse would say, yes. And then Thursday, <laughs> you can go. I didn't realize what a big deal it was. Karis, my daughter, she's 14, but I can remember when she was a baby. And if you got a baby, you know what I'm talking about. When, when you are getting ready to leave, depending on how old, you got to, you got to pack some stuff. So, so for example, get ready to leave, got to get the diaper bag. Am I right? And the diaper bag, the diaper bag don't hold diapers, just diapers. The diaper bag also holds the outfit that you have in case they have a blowout when, when you're out. If your parent, your kid had a blowout, and if you, somebody, I can't believe you, you ain't had kids yet, trust me. After your kid has a blowout, come judge me, all right? So your kid, and then, and then what else you got to put in the diaper bag? You got to put snacks. You got to put snacks. Go, how many parents are just thankful that goldfish exist? There's more, more children going to heaven because of goldfish than anything in the world. So you got the goldfish, and you got the snacks, you got the bag, and then, and then, like, you forgot that you took the car seat out, so you got to put the car seat back in. This is where people judge me. God, Pastor Pete, sometimes you use swear words. If you've ever put a car seat in, you, you at least thought them because you got your knee in the thing, you're pulling it up, and finally you just go get duct tape and wrap the seat around because you're like, screw it, I'm at, we're just leaving. So I remember one morning, true story, I was getting the diaper bag, I had to get a car seat in, got everything done, got in the truck, pulling out of the back and looked, and I'd forgotten Karis. <laughs> I stuck the little thingy on top of the washer. I came out. She's fine. She's great. She's just playing. She didn't know. But, but I was so wrapped up in all the stuff that I forgot the most important thing. That's what can happen if we're not careful when we study the end times. We, we get all obsessed with all the stuff and we forget about Jesus. It's about Jesus. I, uh, I shared with somebody recently. <laughs> I said, they hadn't came to our church. I said, you should come to our church. Um, we're getting ready to start this series on the end times. And they said, oh, I love it when a preacher talks about revelations. <laughs> now, I, I have some pet peeves, but people, it's not revelations. These are the people that go to Walmarts, all right? <laughs> Bless their heart. It's revelation. There's one revelation. It's amazing to me the number of people that want to go to Revelation to talk about the end times. The book of Revelation is not, it, 
End times is secondary. Primary, it's about Jesus because in every single chapter, they're worshiping and they're focused on Jesus. In every single chapter, Jesus rules and reigns. In every single chapter, Jesus has all power and authority. So the revelation is not when he's coming back. The revelation is he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, not just then, but right now. So I thought, why don't we just look at some revelation passages? Every once in a while, we'll have somebody come in here and they say, I don't like the way y'all, I like your message, but I don't like your music. And I'm, I've got the spiritual gift of sarcasm. <laughs> Some of y'all, I didn't know that was a gift. <laughs> it's in the Greek. I got the spiritual gift of, I literally told a guy one time, he didn't come back. <laughs> but now I, have y'all, have y'all ever heard the country song, My Give a Damn's Busted? Anybody ever heard that one? That's me. So the guy, he was, he was upset about our worship. He was like, I just, I just don't know if I, I didn't like that song. And this was my response, very nicely. I said, well, sir, when we're singing the song to you and about you, I would love your opinion. But we're singing to Jesus. And so if you don't like the song, you don't have to sing it. But we're going to tear the roof off this place when we sing that song. That was, that was for somebody in the room. You just, I said, I, <laughs> <laughs> the way we do worship, I tell people, is, is what I call heaven practice. I don't know if I like the loud music and the lights. Well, I have a verse. <laughs> Revelation. Four or five says, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumble of thunder. It's going to be loud. I don't like it loud. Well, hell is an option. Because if you're going to heaven, it's going to be loud. Now, we get loud here on earth. We... We get loud at a basketball game or a football game that's completely meaningless. We get loud at a rock concert. Why, why, can't, why can't the church celebrate? I mean, we've got a resurrection to celebrate. Why can't we get loud? John goes on to tell us in the book of Revelation, when, when, we, when we get to heaven, we're going to sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Holy, holy, holy. That's the only word in the entire Bible that's repeated three times in a row. We never see grace, 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 mercy, 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 love, 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 but we see holy, holy, holy. The word holy means without sin. That means when we sing holy, 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 in that moment, we are focused on Jesus. And you know what happens when we focus on Jesus? Depression disappears. Anxiety disappears. Worry disappears. Doubt disappears. Because, we, listen, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, nobody's going to have to run out to take their meds because we're all going to be unmedicated because we're in the presence of the healer, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And there will be no doubt in our minds who's on the throne. I know we live in
live in a world that seems like it's out of control. We got wars in Ukraine and we got supply chain issues and this is going to happen and we got our personal issues. But at the end of the day, we have a God that rules and reigns. And when we get to heaven and we're singing, in fact, this next passage just blew my mind. When we're singing, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And they exist because you created what you pleased. God created what he pleased. God created what he pleased. Now let's think about that for a second. Because there's somebody here and you, maybe you've been feeling this week that, my life has no meaning. My life has no purpose. My life has no value. I'll tell you about my friend. He's not my friend, but I wish he was. Elon Musk. Y'all heard about this guy? He's pretty smart. I, I know something. I don't know how I feel about that, Elon. Okay, he's figuring out how to go to Mars. <laughs> you can't get to Publix, all right? But he's trying to figure out how to go to Mars. Smart man who invented the electric car, the, 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 the Tesla, okay? I love it when people go, oh, I tell you how to solve the gas problem, just get an electric car. You've obviously never been to Anderson. We have one charging station. We will go back to horses before we all get electric cars, okay? <laughs> Which is fine. But, but this guy is brilliant. And he came up with an electric car and the, the, the Tesla, and if you get a good one, you're talking about $125,000, I, I don't have one of these. But let's say that you got home this afternoon and Elon Musk knocked on the door and said, I have customized a Tesla and I would love to give it to you. Would you take it? Absolutely. Because it'd be special, right? Because the designer gave you something he custom designed. Can we all agree that when it comes to the genius level, that God trumps Elon Musk? And he's given you more than a Tesla. He's given you life. He's given you a life that is more put together than that thing ever will be. Our life is a gift from God. And he was pleased to create you. Make no mistake about it. He was pleased and he is pleased that he may, I'm going to say it again. And somebody gets mad at me every time I say it. So I'm going to keep saying it. You have never disappointed God. Because if you could disappoint God, then he wouldn't know everything. And if he didn't know everything, he wouldn't be all knowing. And if he wasn't all knowing, he wouldn't be God. The person that told you that, they, they, you, they, you may have disappointed them, but you have never been disappointed God. He was pleased when he created you. And, and then John says, then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels. That threw me off because when, when I was first reading it, I expected thousands and thousands. But John was like, no, 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 there was thousands and millions. Like you do the math on that, that's a, that's a lot of angels, right? Around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. I heard the voices. So, so let me ask you a question. If there's thousands and millions of angels, is it loud? Uh-huh. This is, this is better than the, the last second touchdown or the last second. We're in March Madness right now. The last second 
shot clock thing. This is loud and they are all singing and shouting and they're saying, uh, uh, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. All attention with these angels is on Jesus. They're focused on Jesus. They're lifting up the name of Jesus. And then we all join in because John said, and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under earth and the sea, that's all of us. And we're all singing blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. It's going to be loud. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be real because we are going to be focused on one man and his name is Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one who was and is and is to come. And that's what the end times is about. So I was thinking, how should we end? How should we end this service? And I could think of no better way than for us to sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and take a few moments just to take all of our thoughts and all of our attention and all of our focus and put it on him and just let him be the center of our attention and our affection so as you reflect or if you choose to participate if you sing i hope these next few moments will serve as an incredible blessing and reminder he's coming back and it's going to be so amazing so father right now in the name of jesus as we take these next few moments and we just focus on the fact jesus it's not about times or dates. God, it's about you. I pray for the person that God walked in the door today and they had the best week they've ever had. And I pray for the person that just barely made it today. May these next few moments you remind us, God, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's give it up to Jesus. Jesus, I want to pray right now and just thank you for today. I want to pray over every single person here in this room and watching online. God, that just, just had a tough week. Just had a tough week focusing on you. Just had a tough week with things that happened in, in our lives. Father, I pray that that right now in this moment we can just pause and celebrate Jesus that you've got the whole world in your hands you you really do reign and you really can use all things for good with heads still bowed and eyes still closed if you're here there's only two groups of people in the room ready and not ready ready to meet Jesus and not ready and if you're not ready and you need to give your life to Christ today, asking Jesus to come into your life. That's how you, that's how you, you're just ready. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, and you know that's the step you need to take. Then right where you stand right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. Just pray, just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, 
I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Jesus into your life, I want to pray for you. Would you do me a favor if you just did that and just hold your hand straight up so I'll know who you are so I can pray for you? Amen. Hold it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. All over the room, their hands. Thank you, Jesus. All over the room. Keep them up. Keep them up. Father, I want to thank you for every single hand that's in the air. I want to thank you that they just crossed over from death to life. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you just made all things new in their life. I want to thank you, Jesus, for every single person in this room. I pray, Jesus, that right now we could just lay all worries and anxieties at your feet and just acknowledge, Jesus, that you are king, that you are sovereign, that you are Lord. We love you, Jesus. We celebrate this and we ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. Y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.